Well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with us on the program today. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, we are going to be talking about an attempted infringement, uh, not only of our right to keep and bear arms, but of uh, Tennessee's firearms preemption law. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. But before we do, when you make choices about where to put your hard-earned dollars, you know you're supporting not only the company that made the product, but the values and the principles of that organization as well. It's easier to flip a switch against a company when they blatantly conflict with your values, as we've seen recently with companies like Bud Light. Uh, But do you make an effort to do business with the companies that support what you believe when you can? Well, do yourself a favor. Give Defender Ammunition a shot. These guys are veteran-owned and operated, and every person on their staff is military-connected. They are huge supporters of our military and the military community, backing causes that are actually making a difference in the lives of those that have served. In fact, the profits from all of their logoed gear at Defender Ammunition goes directly to the charities that they back. This company is one to support. Their ammo is top-notch. Their customer service is incredible. What other shipping department writes handwritten thank-you notes to their customers? Now, give these guys a try. They have thrown us a promo code for uh, you to use through the end of May. That code is Bearing Arms, B-E-A-R-I-N-G-A-R-M-S, Bearing Arms, good for 5% off your order. Trust me, once you give these guys a try, you won't be going anywhere else. Check them out at DefenderAmmunition.com. So, we know that coming up in August, we've got a special session in Tennessee, right? Governor Bill Lee is uh, calling lawmakers back. In the meantime, he's... Stumping for, um, he says, don't call it a red flag law, a temporary mental health restraining order, which is, in essence, a red flag law, albeit one with more due process protections than what one normally sees, right? There are no ex parte hearings in the uh, legislation that uh, Governor Lee has proposed. Uh, You are entitled to representation by an attorney. So if you can't afford one, it looks like a a public defender would be provided to you. uh, And that's, Good. We don't see that in a lot of the red flag laws, but it is still very much a gun centric approach. I'm not going to talk a lot about it. We've we've gone over this before. Uh, I still believe that a much more valuable uh, effort would be fixing the state's broken mental health system so that those who generally are a danger to themselves or others aren't left to their own devices uh, after any legally owned guns have been taken away. Instead, the dangerous person gets the treatment and the help that they need. But that's not what Governor Lee is calling for. And it's certainly not what the anti-gun Democrats in Tennessee are calling for either. No, no, no. In uh, Memphis, Tennessee, actually, the city council getting ready today to uh, lay the groundwork for a voter referendum on gun control. Yeah, this would be on the 2024 ballot. And uh, I'm not sure it's going to go anywhere because, well, let's let's look at this. On May 16th, the Memphis City Council says it hopes to address incidents like a recent shooting in the city by opening discussion on a four-part 2024 voter referendum. Councilman uh, Dr. Jeff Warner hopes this will ban the future sale of, quote-unquote, assault weapons and restrict the use of the ones already on the streets. A, he says, to ban assault weapons. And to make sure that people who already own, quote unquote, assault weapons, keep them locked in their homes and that they take them to and from their homes to shooting ranges and that they don't carry them around in the street. Uh, If the measure goes on the ballot and passes to, I believe this is a WREG in Memphis, it will also challenge the state law on open carry 
in Memphis city limits and require a license for open and concealed carry. You know, Tennessee is a constitutional carry state, as well as creating a local red flag law in Memphis. Uh, The councilman said by the time this becomes law, hopefully our state will have moved on it and other states would have as well. As I mentioned, Tennessee has a firearms preemption law that forbids cities like Memphis from passing their own gun control legislation that is more restrictive than state law. So even if this referendum on the ballot in Memphis, and even if it passes, it's not going to be implemented. There will be a court challenge, and uh, these laws would be soundly rejected. This is nothing more than an attempt by Memphis City Council members to do something to try to apply some political pressure on the Republican legislature in Tennessee to enact the type of anti-gun infringements that they want to see on the books there locally in Memphis. Again, uh, banning the, in essence, banning the possession of a semi-automatic rifle anywhere but your home uh, or on your way to or from a shooting range, right? Uh, Again, rescinding constitutional carry completely, and coming up with some sort of local licensing system for those who want to bear arms. How would that work, by the way, if you don't live in Memphis or you don't live in Shelby County and you want to go to Memphis, do some shopping, maybe go out to dinner? What happens? Are you not allowed if you have to have a license to carry in Memphis? How's that going to work? Again, this is not designed to be workable in practice. This is designed, I believe, uh, simply to allow city council members in Memphis to tell their constituents, oh, we're, we're, we're trying. It's just it's not our fault. It's those darn lawmakers in Nashville who are standing in the way of common sense gun safety regulations that fly in the face of our right to keep and bear arms. But while the Memphis City Council may be trying to uh, give themselves a little political breathing room, I have a sneaking suspicion that the one tangible effect of their proposal is going to be an increase in the sales of the very guns that they want to ban. NBC News had a story recently talking about the uh, the AR-15, and it was, uh, you know, it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. My colleague Tom Knighton wrote about it at uh, Bearing Arms on Monday. Um... You know, they talked to a lot of gun control groups. They talked to a couple of uh, pro-Second Amendment folks. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting is they broke down and they used the 2021 National Firearms Survey to get the data for this. They broke down the percentage of gun owners in all 50 states. Well, 49 of the 50 states. They didn't include New Hampshire for some reason. But uh, 49 of the 50 states. What are the percentage of gun owners who own AR-15s? And I thought this was fascinating. Um, here's what they found for Tennessee. Uh, you know, not abnormally high. 28.9% of uh, gun owners in Tennessee report that they have ever owned an uh, AR-15 style rifle. So slightly, you know, in between a, a quarter and a third of all gun owners in the state of Tennessee, Tennessee, 28.9%. Now look at some of the anti-gun states. And the percentage of gun owners who say that they have ever owned a, quote-unquote, assault weapon or an AR-15. In New York, 37.8%. Again, almost 10 points higher than the number of gun owners in Tennessee who say that they have ever owned an AR-15. California, 
again, well over a third, 37%, almost 38% in California. Massachusetts, where there was a sweeping, quote-unquote, assault weapon uh, ban uh, put in place several decades ago, a, a, a reinterpretation by now Governor Maura Healey, who was the attorney general at the time, uh, basically reclassified uh, almost all semi-automatic uh, rifles as, quote-unquote, assault weapons. And in Massachusetts, the percentage of gun owners who report owning an AR-15 or a similar rifle, again, over 33%, 33.8% to be exact. New Jersey, again, over 30%, almost 31% of gun owners in the state of New Jersey say that they have owned an AR-15. Even Hawaii, where you've got the lowest rate of gun ownership uh, in all 50 states, more than a third of gun owners there say that they have owned an AR-15. Again, NBC News or the National Firearms Survey didn't ask, do you still own one of these firearms? Just have you owned one in the past or do you still own one right now, right? At some point, have you ever possessed lawfully an AR-15? And uh, what this shows, Costas Morris, uh, attorney with Michelle and Associates out in California, uh, noted on Twitter that, you know, these states that are hostile to the right to keep and bear arms. Some of these states that have enacted bans on so-called assault weapons have higher rates of ownership than states where a ban really isn't on the table. Now, there are some exceptions. Uh, North Dakota, I think, had the highest percentage of uh, AR-15 owners at almost 50%. I think it was like 44%. I don't think anybody's really worried about a gun ban uh, in North Dakota, at least at the state level. But it is interesting that the rate of AR-15 ownership uh, is higher in a lot of these anti-gun states than in places like Tennessee, Georgia, where I think it was uh, 32% of gun owners said that they uh, owned an AR-15. Virginia, less than 30%. I think it was right at about uh, 27 28% of uh, gun owners said that they had owned an AR-15. Again, lower rates of AR-15 ownership. Now, there may be more AR-15 owners in general because, again, you've got more gun owners in places like Virginia than states like New Jersey or Massachusetts. But Justice Morris was making the point that these bans tend to make these guns more popular, right? And we have seen anecdotal evidence to that effect uh, around the country this year. In Illinois, for example, both before Governor J.B. Pritzker signed that semi-auto ban and magazine ban into law back in January, you had long lines uh, at gun stores around the state. Dan Eldridge from uh, Max and Shooter Supply in De Plain, Illinois, talked about it. I think it was an 800% increase in the sales of semi-automatic rifles in the days before that ban was enacted by Governor Pritzker. And then when U.S. District Judge Stephen McGlynn halted that ban for six days, uh, not long ago, once again, you saw a surge in sales, both for modern sporting rifles and quote unquote, large capacity magazines during that brief window when they were made available for sale in Illinois. Once again, uh, there were, I think it was Gat Guns reporting lines out the door every morning when they would open for business, there were folks waiting to get inside and they actually had to, you know, cut off sales in the afternoon. Say, all right, listen, if you're standing in line, we're not going to be able to get to you today before we close. You'll have to come back in the morning because we've got to deal with all these folks who've been waiting here for several hours in order to get their gun. Oregon saw the same thing. 
uh, both before the passage of Measure 114 last November, again, approved by, what, 50.9% of the voters in Oregon, establishing a permit to purchase, uh, banning, quote-unquote, large-capacity magazines. Now, that measure didn't deal specifically with, quote-unquote, assault weapons, but again, led to a lot of sales, uh, both before Election Day and then after a judge in Harney County put a halt to enforcement of Measure 114's provisions, once again, you saw a surge in sales. Washington State, where Governor Jay Inslee has just uh, signed a ban on so-called assault weapons into law. Again, same phenomena. In the days leading up to the ban, large lines going out the door. People who may never have wanted to buy an AR-15 before decided, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to get one while I can. That phenomena is real. And again, as city council members in Memphis try to enact these gun control measures that violate state law and the Second Amendment, I think the only tangible impact that they're going to have is increasing the sales of the very firearms that they want to ban inside the city limits, or at least ban the sales of inside the city limits. Again, possession would be grandfathered in at this point, but uh, I think the whole thing is so flagrantly unconstitutional and such a glaring violation of Tennessee's fire and preemption law that uh, I'm not particularly worried about these gun control measures, these local measures in Memphis going anywhere, even if they're approved via voter referendum. Uh, No, what I am concerned about is the idea that, you know, the gun control lobby doesn't really care whether or not they're violating the law. As long as they can go after the guns, as long as they can go after your rights, that's what's important to them. Again, being able to tell their constituents, look, we've done something, right? That matters too from a political perspective. But from a policy perspective, you know, if they can't get these bans through at the local level, well, then they get to take on firearms preemption. Just as we've seen in states like Colorado, where they have uh, removed those protections, allowing localities to establish their own gun control laws. Not that that's made a dent in violent crime in Colorado, but that's not what it's about. It's not about reducing violent crime. It's not about improving public safety. It's about eradicating your right to protect yourself. Speaking of, let's turn now to our uh, armed citizen story, as well as our recidivist report, our good deed of the day. Actually, before we uh, get to those stories, we do need to talk about something else. What is going on with the banks? It's literally crazy. Can you imagine what this is going to do to the retirement savings of America? Now, I want to tell you what I heard from Augusta Precious Metals. Gold mine's on fire right now because people want gold IRAs to protect the retirement savings. And get this. If you have 100000 plus saved for retirement, Augusta will pay you in pure gold to learn how gold IRAs can protect you. That's a big deal, a pure gold coin for free. Reach out to Augusta Precious Metals today and learn how you can get started with gold. Don't let bank failures get you down. Get this free gold and get some peace of mind. Just call 855-222-4997 to learn whether gold can help protect your retirement and get your free gold coin. That's Augusta Precious Metals at 855-222-4997. Again, 855-222-4997. So we'll start with today's recidivist report, a uh, case out of Kansas, uh, Hayes, Kansas, where a man with a history of violence has been jailed for a uh, shooting that injured a six-year-old girl. Um, Yeah. And again, this is 
not something that is exclusive to red states or blue states. These types of repeat offenders walking away with little or no consequences. Sadly, that's one of the things that maybe we are the most bipartisan at in this country is, is letting, you know, repeat violent offenders go with little or no consequence. Um, this particular case had a Sedgwick County uh, involving a drive-by shooting that injured a six-year-old girl. This was back on May the 7th. Uh, police in uh, Sedgwick County reported hearing several gunshots nearby. They located a crime scene, found a six-year-old victim with non-life-threatening injuries, thankfully. Local medical crews took her to a hospital for treatment. Uh, police identified a suspect and arrested 29-year-old Nicholas Henry of Wichita. He's now been charged with uh, aggravated battery, aggravated assault, violation of a protection order, domestic battery, criminal discharge of a weapon, criminal possession of a weapon by a felon, a probation violation. Yeah. Uh, and according to online court records, he has three previous convictions for domestic battery, two previous convictions for criminal threat. And again, it sounds like there were few, if any, consequences beyond probation uh, for Mr. Henry. In any of those previous encounters, nearly a half dozen run-ins with law enforcement. At least one of those crimes was a felony because he's being charged with being a felon in possession of a firearm. But records uh, don't indicate whether or not Henry ever served any prison time for any of these criminal offenses. Or if it was just, again, a catch-and-release system of you get arrested, you get charged, you plead guilty, you get probation, you're out on probation. You get arrested, you get charged, you plead guilty, you're placed on extended probation. Kind of sounds like that happened. Uh, and that was the case here with uh, Nicholas Henry. We do know that, again, regardless of the five criminal convictions, the uh, 29-year-old still out on the street and, uh, again, allegedly taking part in this uh, drive-by shooting that injured this six-year-old girl. Today's Armed Citizen story from Phoenix, Arizona, where police say a homeowner fatally shot an intruder at a uh, South Phoenix residence uh, I actually ran across this story yesterday, but there was almost no information at that point. So we're learning a little bit more. This happened Sunday morning, and officials say a homeowner shot and killed an intruder after a confrontation uh, inside the home on Sunday. It was about 7.45 a.m. when officers responded to a shooting call. They found a man with gunshot wounds. 31-year-old Aries Jordan Holmes pronounced dead of the scene. Sergeant Robert Scherer said in a press release that, uh, quote, preliminary information suggests that Holmes unlawfully entered the residence, at which time there was a confrontation between Holmes and the homeowner. It was during this confrontation that the homeowner shot Holmes. Uh, the homeowner not arrested, apparently cooperated with police. They say the uh, case uh, will be submitted to the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, which will determine if charges are warranted. But uh, right now, at this point, again, seems like a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense. Somebody comes uh, in your home. Uh, when you did not invite them in, they uh, confront you. Um, sounds like the homeowner was in uh, genuine fear of uh, his life or at least great bodily harm when he protected himself inside his home. But we'll keep our eyes open for any more details uh, on that case as they become available. Finally today, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a police officer in Kansas City who was attending his uh, school day at the K event with his son when he ended up saving a life about that. Uh, the Kansas City, Missouri, by the way, not Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, the uh, school day at the K had thousands of students from across Kansas City uh, learning about science and the weather 
Um, and they went down to, this, uh, I guess, a field trip to Kauffman Stadium. Students and their families then hit the uh, parking lot for uh, interactive games, exhibits, and a uh, bite to eat. And then they went to watch the uh, Royals play the uh, White Sox. Officer Matt DeLue had taken last Thursday off so he and his son could uh, could go out to Kauffman Stadium, take part in the pregame. And so they're out there, and a uh, child approached DeLue and grabbed his arm. He said, I thought he was playing at first, but then I saw that he was in distress and he wasn't making any sounds. He was choking. Um, DeLue thinks the boy's about 10 years old, made him uh, leery of any injuries that might happen if he performed the Heimlich maneuver. So instead, he bent the boy over, bent his arm across the uh, boy's diaphragm, and started to, you know, hit his back. Says it took a minute, several strikes to uh, dislodge what turned out to be a chocolate bar uh, stuck in the uh, kid's throat. He said, you know, no one likes bad things to happen, especially to kids. It was nice that I was able to be here and uh, help in that moment. Interestingly enough, I, I thought that maybe the 10-year-old spotted, you know, police officer. and was like, okay, going to the officer. Delu was not in uniform last Thursday. Um, when he asked, why'd you pick me? And the uh, kid said, you look the most professional. How about that? It's a pretty good compliment, I guess. The uh, child and Delu waited while the uh, boy's father came down from Platte City, Missouri to pick him up. Uh, he ended up telling his fellow officers that he had previously saved his own son several years ago when his son had choked on food. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing on multiple occasions, uh, Officer Matt DeLue of the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department, we thank you for your very, very good deed. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, I truly do appreciate it. We uh, are very grateful for your support. Uh, I would also encourage you to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. We are constantly updating the website with the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Still keeping our eyes on the Supreme Court where uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett and perhaps the full court, considering whether to uh, intervene on an emergency basis and halt Illinois' ban on so-called assault weapons and large capacity magazines. We have yet to hear from the Supreme Court, but that could be coming down any day now. And uh, we'll get you covered again with all of the details at BarryAndArms.com. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member. Just go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. We're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support matters and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. And I'm looking forward to being back with you uh, tomorrow on Wednesday for another edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.